You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And as we start uh, this series entitled Simply Pray, you're probably wondering, hey, why do we need a series on prayer? I would remind you that our church has four pillars. The third pillar says we believe in the power of prayer. And uh, I would like to say that that is much easier to uh, state. It is much easier to hang on a wall and print and a bulletin that it is to implement. And so for the next several weeks as a church, I am calling us to be a church that doesn't just talk about prayer, doesn't just preach about prayer. It simply prays. And uh, we're going to do that corporately. I'm going to encourage you to be doing that individually. We're going to give you some ways to do that. But I trust at the end of several weeks here, the Lord would say to us, you know what? That's a church that believes firmly in the power of prayer, and it's demonstrated by the fact that they simply pray. It's part of our Lift Up Our Eyes series, and so we're still in that theme. And you know, the reality is everybody prays. Uh, People pray all the time. As a matter of fact, atheists pray. Did you know they did a survey and 30% of atheists say they sometimes pray? And 17% of atheists say they pray regularly. I don't know who they think they're praying to. God's listening. And uh, really the first prayer that he wants them to pray is, Lord, I believe in you. And so if you're in that category, maybe that's the first prayer you need to pray. And through this series, no matter how often or how little you have prayed, prayed, I trust that you at the end of these days will be a person who simply prays. I want you to see what a church does when it's growing. Found here in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41, the scripture talks about the first church. This is the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. This is the first Methodist church of Jerusalem. This was the first church, okay? So we're reading about what the first church did in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. Those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Did you know that the first church was a mega church? As the Lord sent his spirit and brought people into faith, all of a sudden they had 3,000 brand new baby Christians. Have you noticed that babies are messy? Yeah, so they had a messy church. Every mega church is a messy church. Every church is a messy church. No matter if it has three people or 3,000, it's messy. But here this church was, and you would think that with all these new people, with all these new opportunities for leadership and programs, and they probably had strategic plans, and now they could build a building. I mean, they, they could devote themselves to a lot of stuff. But I want you to notice what they devoted themselves to when the church was growing. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, which was the gospel on display through the Lord's Supper, communion. And then notice the last thing. They devoted themselves to the prayers. 
For those of you that have been around here from the beginning, uh, our church is like eight and a half years old, and there was like 13 people in a basement that prayed for you all that showed up later. If you wondered why you found your way here, it was because those 13 people prayed you here. And so here we are, and now we we don't have 3,000 people, but we got a lot of people coming to church, a lot more than 13. And it would be easy for us to be distracted by many good things. One of the reasons we're doing this series is to say to ourselves and say to the Lord that we will not be distracted by good things. We will be devoted to simple things and we will be devoted to simply pray. That's what we're going after in the heart of this series. I don't know about you, but individually, Prayer has never been something that's come easy. If you find it easy to pray, you should be teaching this lesson. Uh, For me, here's what I've learned about prayer. When I fail to pray simply, I simply fail to pray. When I fail to pray simply, I simply fail to pray. Sometimes I don't pray because I think I have to pray long prayers. I was in a ministry for a while and a a, a preacher that really had a big impact on me, he would preach a sermon on prayer, but he would say, you have to pray for an hour. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I only prayed 47 minutes that day. And I would feel like a failure in prayer if I couldn't pray for an hour. And you may feel that way. Maybe you're like, I I, I simply can't pray because I simply can't pray for an hour. Listen, to pray simply doesn't mean you have to pray for an hour. Sometimes I simply don't pray because I think I have to pray big prayers. I have to pray prayers that God's going to change the world and there's got to be signs and wonders and miracles and all of that. And because I don't ever really see answers to those types of prayers, I simply don't pray. Listen, you don't have to pray big prayers. You just have to simply pray. Sometimes I don't simply pray because I think I have to pray fancy prayers. Have you ever been around somebody that when they prayed, their tone changed? They went into a deeper octave? Hast thou heard people pray in King James? And you think, man, I I can't figure out how to pray that way, so I don't think I really could pray in a way that would be effective. Listen, sometimes we don't simply pray because we think we have to pray fancy prayers. Sometimes we don't simply pray because I think I have to pray every prayer. I don't know about you, I watch the news. I see a lot of stuff that needs prayer. I got a family, it's a growing family. They got a lot of needs. And I know that I'm leading them all, so I got to pray all these dysfunctions in my life that are figured out. And sometimes I think, I can't pray for all that, so I simply don't pray. Because we think we have to pray every prayer. Sometimes I don't simply pray because I think I have to pray persuasive prayers. And I have to like, twist God's arm to do something He really doesn't want to do. Listen, we can learn to simply pray at the invitation of a God who wants to hear our prayers. But those who don't pray simply, simply don't pray. We're going to answer four questions here this morning. The first is this. What does it mean to simply pray? Now, please understand when I use the word simple, I am not using it as a synonym for easy. Simply praying is very hard. It doesn't mean easy. 
prayer is a struggle. I used to beat myself up. I think I got some freedom this week as I was even praying this week. I just feel like I just I, everything I do to pray, there still feels like this huge gap, this distance. And God, are you listening? And why don't I hear you speak to me more often? Am I the only one? Preachers confessing in church. Am I the only one? Don't leave me up here. Okay. So, so here, here's God just kind of gave me a little thought here. Yeah, prayer's hard because it is your finite brain trying to form words to speak to an infinite God. There's going to be a little communication gap going on between a human who is natural creation speaking to a supernatural creator. There's going to be some struggle and wrestling to connect out of this world with a transcendent God, right? We're always going to face that until we're with Jesus. So what does it mean to simply pray? Well, let me give you a few thoughts here. And by the way, normally we open the Bible and we kind of work through a passage of Scripture and we stay on the same page, right? Are you used to that? Today we're surfing. We're Bible surfing today. We're going to look at everything the Bible has to say about prayer and still have you out of here in time for lunch. So here, here's the first thought. Simply pray like a child simply talks to his father. Notice this verse in Romans chapter 8. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I'm curious, how many of you in the room are adopted? You were adopted. Raise your hand. Be proud to be the adopted children in the family. Look at these people here. Now keep your hands in the air. I want you to look at these people. Do you see these people? Do you know what the difference between these people and us are? These people were wanted by their parents. <laughs> they were chosen. They, they went like, we'll take you into the family, right? When I showed up, the parents just like, really? That's what we got? So the adopted sons are chosen. They, the parents wanted them. We want you. We're in your family. We, we got you. And because of that, you have a special relationship with the father. Now notice this first. There is a special adoption language that adopted children have with their father. And it sounds like a 70s rock group, but it's not. Abba, father. The word Abba is simply the Greek word which means Dada, daddy. There is a, there's a relationship that we have with God that is like an adopted son with his adoptive father. So simply pray like a child simply talks to his father. How many fathers in the room? Fathers, fathers, raise your hands. Father, father, father. Does, have you noticed that there is a moment which you actually get to feel like God? Now listen, do not hear me say that you get to act like God, but that you can feel like God feels as a father. Because I don't know about you, I have five children. My children have no filter asking me for stuff, right? They ask for my money. They ask for every food that you can find. They want toys. They want, they want my stuff. And if you're a father, you get to feel a little bit of what God feels when his children ask him for stuff. Now, there is a big difference between Father me and Father God. Father God actually has the ability to provide for everything the children ask for. Ninety percent of the time, I say no. 
because my children realize that they have to ask for 10 times as much stuff in order to get the one thing. Like we finally wore dad down and he finally said yes to give me the, the chicken nugget at McDonald's that they wanted or whatever it was. So as a father, we understand that we love to have our children coming to us. Um, I have teenagers now, and so I actually miss this, this thing that used to happen in my home. When I would come home a decade ago, all of my children would come racing from wherever they were, and they would attack me. I would have one child wrapped around this leg and another child wrapped around that leg, and we would walk through the house, you know, like that. I come home now, I can't find anybody. <laughs> until they want something. Then they come. That's when they come. Can we have some money, Dad? Right. So listen, we, we need to be careful here because prayer is not just something we go to God to get God's stuff. Prayer is the vehicle that we use to get God. All, if all you want is God's stuff, there's a sense in which you need to grow up. Quit acting like a child. Do you want God or do you want God's stuff? But you can simply pray like a child simply talks to his father. How about this? Simply pray like you're simply breathing. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. Is there anybody that obeyed that verse this week? No, no, we're all guilty. We're all anxious and burdened and worried and angry and trying to manipulate something to get it fixed. We're all anxious. But he says, don't be anxious about anything. How does that happen? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The remedy for anxiety is prayer. And it's as natural as breathing. Anybody been concentrating on your breathing while you've been in this service? It's like, I, I just got to keep this going or I'm going to die. No, there is an instinct in you that says we exhale and we inhale and we exhale and we inhale. And it just keeps happening because it's part of the rhythm. There is a rhythm of prayer that is much like breathing. We exhale everything we're anxious about and roll it over onto God. And then we inhale His grace and His mercy and His peace. Hebrews chapter 4 says we go boldly before the throne of God to find help in a time of need. We breathe in the, he the help. We find grace and mercy in the time of need. So we simply pray like we're simply breathing. It needs to become a part of the regular rhythm of our life. The most natural thing for a Christian to do is to pray. How about this? Simply pray like God is simply listening. Jeremiah 29. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. How would it change your prayer life if you really believed God wanted to listen to you pray? He wanted to know what's in your mind. He already knows what's in your mind. He would like to hear you try to articulate what's in your mind. And he hears you when you pray. One of the reasons I don't simply pray is because 
I simply think that God has way too much going on than to listen to little old me. I mean, there are way more important things that he has to deal with than me. And that keeps me from simply praying. Unlike me as a husband who lives with the illusion that I can multitask, um, Andrea knows I really can only do one thing at one time. I do not have the capacity to watch a football game and listen to her as much as I try to pretend I can. And unlike me, God has the ability to listening to you and to listen to someone in Liberia and someone in Belize and someone halfway around the world while not taking his eye off the ball in anything else he's doing. God wants to hear you come to him and simply pray. Simply pray like you know God will simply answer. Notice 1 John 5. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Simply pray like you simply know God will answer. And, you know, this is, again, my confession. One of the reasons I don't simply pray is because I simply don't always know the will of God. And I live with this really weird idea that somehow I'm going to pray something that's not God's will. And that's like going to mess things up. Listen, you can't mess up God's will. So even if you were to pray for something that wasn't God's will, do you know what God does with that? God answers that prayer the way he would have answered the prayer if you were smart enough to know what to simply pray. So God doesn't always answer your prayer because some of the things that you pray are actually dangerous to you. So as a loving father, what he does is he translates your inept prayer into what his will would have been. And he answers it according to the way that it would have been if you'd been smart enough to ask for the right thing. Simply pray like you know that God will simply answer according to his will. And then this, simply pray like you're spending time with someone who simply loves you. Psalm 143, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust, make me know the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. Do you know you are loved? Some of you thought it was time to dismiss the service because I said that. It's like, it's time to go already. You said we are loved. No, that's not just the way we close the service. That is a statement that we have to know if we're going to boldly seek God in prayer. You are loved. How many of you can think of somebody right now, a human, who just loves you? You can think of somebody. You know of somebody. Raise your hand. Don't, these poor people don't feel loved. It's like, you can think, your mother, your spouse, a daughter, a son. You think of somebody. Let me ask you this. Do you enjoy spending time with that person? Yeah. Have you ever watched two people in love. Um, it's been a big 
month around the Griffith household. I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, our 21-year-old daughter Brooke, she got engaged a couple of weeks ago. Have you heard? Have you heard? Yeah. So, uh, so there's Brooke and David, and uh, we like David. I've actually had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with David. We've had breakfast kind of every week at some point for about a year, and there's a lot of stuff I've had the opportunity to tell David. Do this. Don't do that. But one thing I've never had to tell David, you should talk to her more. You should spend some more time with her. I've never had to give him that counsel. Why? Because he thinks he's in love, right? (laughs) And when you're in love, I mean, it's the most natural thing. I've got to get to this person. I've got to talk to this person. I wish this person would talk to me more. How can we get together? Their first date was six hours at Starbucks, and I don't even think they drank any coffee. And so it was just like, this has just naturally happened. What if you prayed like you were spending time with someone who simply loves you? Let me hear of your steadfast love. Now that I know I'm loved, I need help. And here's what's on my heart. Can you help? So that's what it means to simply pray. And then number two, why don't we simply pray? I mean, I made that sound pretty good, right? I mean, like that, that's like, that sounds like the greatest thing we could possibly do. So why don't we simply pray? Um, are you quick in your Bible? Are you quick? Bible drill. I want you to go to the fourth page in your Bible. Go to the fourth page. That's Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And of course, this is a story of Adam and Eve. And if you're not familiar with the story, God creates everything. He creates the first man and the first woman. He sticks them in a perfect environment, gives them one rule. Don't eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Guess which fruit they wanted to eat. They went right to that tree and they found a nice piece of fruit and of course they ate the fruit. Now that's where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 3, look in verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. First of all, are they not smart enough to know that God can see through the trees? Okay. It's like he has x-ray vision. All right. I guess they're just figuring this thing out. But their natural instinct when they heard that he was coming was to run and hide. Look at verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now, do you know God enough to know that when God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer? Did God already know the answer to that question? Did God have GPS? Did he, was he able to locate? It's like, where'd they go? I can't find where they... No, he knew exactly where they were. But he still asked the question. Why is that? Because every conversation with God begins with an invitation by God to speak with him. Apparently, they had been having a lot of great conversations. There was a place where they met, and there was a place that they communed together and communicated together. And all of a sudden, one day, Adam doesn't show up for his appointment. So God goes looking for him. Where are you? The implication was, you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not where you once were. 
where are you? The question is there not because he didn't know where he was. He wanted to know Adam was not in the place he was supposed to be in communication with God. So Adam answers the question. Now, the reason why I took you to this verse is because this week, as I was studying prayer in the Bible, I I woke up with a question one morning. I wonder what the first prayer in the Bible is. Well, the answer to God's question is actually the first prayer in the Bible. So God says, where are you? And then in verse 10, we have the first prayer in the Bible. Adam answers and he says... I heard the sound of you in the garden. In other words, I heard you were coming. Ah, ah. And what was his response? He did three things. He said, first of all, I was afraid. Second, I was naked. Third, I hid myself. Do you know why we don't pray? The same three reasons. We don't pray because we are simply afraid. We're afraid that God's mad at us. We're afraid that we're not going to be able to pray a prayer that God would actually want to listen to. We're afraid that somehow we've so distanced ourselves from God that he wouldn't want to have anything to do with us. We're afraid that we're not going to measure up. And it's exactly what Satan wants you to believe this morning. Satan this morning is saying, don't pray. God wouldn't want to listen to somebody like you. Don't pray. God's mad at you. Remember the little stuff that you did? Do you remember how prayerless you are? You should be afraid of God. That was the reason that Adam gave. The second thing he says is kind of weird. He's like, I was naked. In other words, he was ashamed. In other words, he was completely exposed. Everything that could be known about Adam was known by God, including his disobedience. And he had nothing to cover himself. And that's why he went and got a few leaves and that didn't work out great. But uh, he didn't have anything between him and God. He was ashamed of his performance. He was ashamed of his sin. He was ashamed of his lack of love for God. I think he was ashamed of his lack of leadership over his spouse and his family. And so he was ashamed. And maybe you're here this morning and you're ashamed. Maybe you're ashamed that you can't pray like somebody else. You're ashamed that you're just kind of getting started in this Christ following thing, even though you're older. You're ashamed that even though you've got a head full of Bible knowledge, that your performance this week didn't match it. Maybe you're ashamed. And then thirdly, it says, I hid myself. You know why we don't simply pray? It's because we're simply hiding. We're running from the presence of God rather than running to the presence of God. You might be hiding behind your good behavior. You may be hiding behind your work of ministry. I mean, you're a great Bible teacher. Maybe you're showing up at church every Sunday. Maybe you're the one that does the most work around here, burns the most calories, leads the best small group. And yet you're hiding behind all of that. And you don't simply pray because you're simply hiding behind a boatload of religious activity. Or there could be somebody here that's hiding behind their spouse. Isn't that what Adam did? God, I I know I didn't show up for the appointment, but it's not my fault. It's her fault. This woman you gave me. 
And if you're here this morning pointing your lack of prayer and your lack of relationship to God at the poor performance of your spouse, you're hiding. Or some of you have such a great spouse, you're just hiding behind their prayers. God, look how good they're praying. Surely you don't need mine. Prayer is woman's work. Or prayer is a man's work. And if he will spiritually lead, then I'll follow. But he's supposed to be the one praying. We're hiding, we're dodging, we're using excuses for our prayerlessness. And that's exactly what the first prayer in the Bible was. The first prayer in the Bible was a confession, I don't want to pray. Because I'm afraid, I'm ashamed, so I'm hiding. So I asked myself, if that's the first prayer in the Bible, I wonder what the last prayer in the Bible is. Are you fast? Can you go to the last page of your Bible? Go to your last page of your Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Now remember, in the first prayer of the Bible, Adam says, I heard you were coming, so I was afraid, I was ashamed, and I hid myself. I want you to notice what the last verse of the Bible says, the, la the second to the last verse, the last prayer in the Bible. Look at verse 20, Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming. Oh, here he comes again. I'm coming soon. And what's the response this time? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, even so come. You can't get here fast enough. I am so tired of this communication gap I have with you. I can't wait to see you face to face. I got some things on my mind. We need to talk. Come on. Now, if the first prayer of the Bible is, I heard you were coming, but I ran and hid. And the last prayer in the Bible is, I heard you were coming. Come on. What happened in between those two prayers? Some of you know the Sunday school answer. Jesus happened. And so that leads us to the third question. Why can we simply pray? And it's because of this verse. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 and 26. He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. I want you to notice in the first part of this verse, it would actually be a very dangerous thing for you to draw near to God without Jesus. You would have to be saved from God. If you attempted to draw near to Him without a mediator, that's why Adam ran in the opposite direction. He didn't know he had a mediator. He didn't know he had anything to cover the shame of his sin. He didn't know he had anything that would make him acceptable before God in spite of his poor performance. He didn't know that Jesus was available to hide him behind the cross and that God would hear the prayer not based upon Adam's performance, but upon Jesus' performance. So he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. You know what happened between the first prayer and the last prayer? Jesus prayed. Jesus prays for us. He lives to make intercession for those who want to draw near to God.
so that you don't get incinerated by trying to get close to him. That's what Jesus does. And it goes on and says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. Another word for, for priest is mediator, negotiator in between two warring parties. A high priest, holy, unlike you, innocent, unlike you, unstained, unlike you, separated from sinners, unlike you, and exalted above the heavens, unlike you. So Jesus, who was unlike you, became like you so he could pray prayers that you wouldn't even be able to pray because he was perfect before God to represent you. Do you know why we pray in Jesus' name? We've sang that song, Jesus, in your name we pray. Why do we, why do we pray in Jesus' name? It's not just the salutation on the end of the prayer. We pray in the name of Jesus because we realize Jesus is the only one who has a right to be heard by God. I don't. So I pray through Him. God hears my prayer through Him. God fixes my prayer through Him. So that when it gets to God, it is actually something that is sweet to Him and not an attack on Him. Here's the last question. How can we simply pray? My goal in this series is to be so simple. I want to give you simple prayer hacks. Do you like life hacks? It's like, just somebody tell me, oh, that makes it so much easier if I use this detergent and I just, you know, get this stain out that way, right? So here is a couple of prayer hacks that we want to equip you with. Did you get a bulletin on the way in? How many of you picked up a bulletin? Everybody pull this out right now. There is a special card in there. If you didn't get one, we have more of these available on your way out. For the next two months. I want you to put this in your Bible. I want you to put your eyes on it every day. We're not going to look at it all right now. We're going to look at more of it later on. But I want you to notice here on this side in the middle section, what does that say in the gold print? It says, pray on your knees at a consistent time. That's how I want you to pray. I want you to notice this first in Mark chapter 1. Speaking of Jesus, it says that Jesus rising very early in the morning. Some of you, this is the 1130 crowd, some of you didn't know that 6 a.m. comes twice a day. Did you know that? <laughs> rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Now remember, he didn't go flip the light on. It was an inconvenient time for him to pray. It was very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, so he went to an isolated place, a desolate place with no Wi-Fi access. Why did he go there? There was nothing and no one to distract him. Most people weren't even up yet. And there he prayed. I don't know about you, for me, if I don't pray early in the morning, I simply don't pray. There are way too many people that want my attention. My brain is filled with way too many distractions. And so I have to do it kind of like Jesus. 
Now listen, that is not the only way to do it. Nobody's going to measure whether what time you get up. You don't get brownie points in heaven if you pray before anybody else. None of that. You, some of you may need to pray at night. The other time it gets dark during the day. You're like, yeah, that's a much better time for me to pray. Fine, you get half the verse right. So it, it's still dark in, at night till you pray. Then you pray when it's light. It doesn't matter. But for some of us, the reason we don't simply pray is because we don't simply get up early enough. And we don't simply go to a desolate place. Put the cell phone in the other room. And then this, pray on your knees. Now again, this is not a measure of spirituality. If you read through the Bible, most people that you find praying in the Bible are not on their knees. And their eyes are not closed. And their heads are not bowed. As a matter of fact, most often the eyes are open, the eyes are up, and they're standing in worship to God. However, there are times that we see what's described in Psalm 95 that says this, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord our God and our Maker. Why? Because when your knees hit the ground, it immobilizes you. You can't drive a car on your knees. You can't get a whole lot of work done on the laptop on your knees. It just completely immobilizes you. You can't do anything other than pray down here. And I don't know about you, there's a place for praying at all times. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when was the last time that you prayed while the only thing you were doing was praying. You weren't praying and washing the dishes. You weren't praying and checking the sports course. You weren't praying and working. You were just praying and kneeling. When you pray on your knees, it immobilizes you and keeps you focused in prayer. And so I want to challenge you over the course of the next few weeks. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I need to do that. It's kind of weird. Kids might come in. Yeah, see, that's the other thing is praying on your knees humiliates you too. And some of us are too proud to do this. And maybe that's the reason you don't simply pray is because you're simply too proud to pray. So try putting your knees on the earth. And I realize that some of you don't have knees that work anymore. I get that. Um, you know, you can pray any way you want to, in a wheelchair, in a nursing home, um, in an airplane. You can do a lot of different things. But sometimes just to, to slow us down, we need to get on our knees. So what happens when you get off your knees? Do you stop praying? No, don't do that. Pray on the go at all times. That's why we have 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So we pray at all times. But can we be honest? A lot of us have used this verse as an excuse for why you don't simply pray a more focused, dedicated prayer. I'm just too busy to pray. Yeah, well, then you're too busy. And you don't understand that you're really too busy not to pray. You're so busy, you better pray. 
So we pray on the go at all times. And you're going to see situations where you're just going to immediately need to have a conversation with God. You're going to get stuck in circumstances where you're going to need to ask God for help right then, right there. It doesn't mean that you have to get on your knees every time you pray, but it is important that we have a focused time of prayer. Now, I want you to notice here, it says pray on your knees. It says pray at a consistent time. But I want you to notice in the middle of that, there is a little acronym there that I just saw this a couple of weeks ago and I, I, I was like, I had never seen that. And that has really helped me. And I was like, we're just going to use that little simple acronym for pay, pray. P-R-A-Y. What does that stand for? First of all, praise. Before you ever ask God for anything, acknowledge His attributes. Acknowledge His character. Praise Him for His goodness, His holiness, His righteousness. Praise Him for His mercy. Praise Him for His, his ability to run the universe while you're asleep. Praise Him for His ability to get you out of any situation. Just praise Him for His power, His control, His sovereignty. And call attention to who He is. And then the second part of praise is to thank Him for what He's done. He'd do anything for you yesterday. He'd do anything for you last week. Thank Him. Make it all about Him. And then the next part is to repent. The first thing we need to repent of is prayerlessness. And just acknowledge, God, I haven't talked to you like you love me and I love you. God, forgive me. Cleanse me of that. Give me a fresh start. I, I lean into your grace and in the power of the gospel. I want to... to, to I want that to change in my life. Turn my heart. And you're confessing sin. So now, halfway through your prayer time, now you're in a position where you could actually ask God for some stuff. And because your character has been cleansed, now He's much more willing to answer that prayer. And before you start asking for all the groceries for yourself, maybe you need to ask for what God should, could do for somebody else to intercede for somebody else in need. And then the, the final one there is to yield. Yielding means this. God, I want you to answer this prayer the way you would have answered the prayer if I was smart enough to know what to pray. And Lord, it is not about what I want. It's about what you want. It's not about my will. It is about your will. God, I am surrendering to you. You have my day. You have my heart. You have my hands. You have all that belongs to me. I yield it to you. Whatever you want during this day is totally available to you. Does that help? Is that a prayer hack for you? You say, I'm way too sophisticated. No, you're way too proud to use a simple tool. And so let's use some of these tools to get us in a better place. Now, this is what we're going to do. To end the service, I want you to bow your heads. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to simply pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And would you just take the next 30 seconds or so, and would you forget there's anybody else in the room right now? For some of you, you may just want to slip to your knees. If there's room there, if you're physically able, if that would help you. P, praise. What character, what attribute of God could you call out and just acknowledge God, you are 
holy. Praise Him for His goodness. Praise Him for His love.